Today's sermon is entitled, The Free Man. The Free Man. We'll be coming from Galatians chapter 4 as we celebrate this great holiday season and the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Free Man. There's nothing like when you've been going to therapy for years and one day you have that aha moment. Uh, People have been telling you for years, your therapist has been holding the cards in front of you for years, but it isn't until you recognized it that all the bells and whistles start going off and you realize two things. First, you realize and admit that you've been encapsulated in a life that really hasn't been authentically your own. You have been governed by others and you have failed to be able to express yourself without the fear of retribution of some form or another. Awareness and admitting it is the first step. The second thing you realize is that you don't have to be a slave to others any longer. Once you realize it and admit it, you say, I can change. I can do something different. It is as if the therapist has told you the door to leave has been open all along, but you just haven't been able to see it. And then you realize the door is open and you walk through it for the first time. And oh, how exhilarating that feeling is. But you've been going to therapy for years. And people have been saying, you can leave. The therapist has been saying, the door is open, but you can't see it because you're trapped and encapsulated as a slave. This is what I hope today's sermon makes you feel like, a free man. Freedom has a lot to do. This is important. Watch this now. Freedom has a lot to do with maturity. And maturity has a lot to do with timing. And because we set times all throughout the year, we can use those set times to test our maturity. So when we talk about our birthday or the end of the year or the holiday season, all of these set times throughout the year are opportunities to test our level of maturity. Uh, If we find it to be the right time, let's say we find one of these times to be the right time, our maturity or timing then can lead to freedom. So watch this now. So we set these times against the level of our maturity. And if we are mature at that time, we can enter into a stage of freedom. Are you tracking? 
So as I said, freedom has a lot to do with maturity and maturity has a lot to do with timing. So see Christmas, watch this now, as a time to test your maturity, to seek your freedom. <laughs> Let me explain what I mean. We are but like seeds sown into the ground. A seed sown into the ground is subject to its soil. It goes in to die, but to rise alive and of a different substance and order than what it went in with. In other words, the ground enslaves the seed. The ground covers the seed. And just like the ground is enslaved, we are enslaved and ultimately life or the ground, the soil kills us. But as soon as we die, as soon as we surrender and give in to that level of change in our life, we sprout new life of a different order. You tracking? And so that our maturity is often the realization of the death of a thing, which allows us to abort it and to try something new. So depending on, uh, this is good, Shauna, depending on the kind of seed planted determines the kind of fruit experienced. Uh, and each fruit has its own splendor. When I taste a strawberry, Oh, it's nothing like a strawberry. When I take a taste a peach, oh, there's nothing like a peach. When I taste a cherry, hint, hint, oh, there's nothing like a sweet, dark, plump, hard cherry. We are sown or we are born perishable. But the birth of another gives us a chance to live from our dirt experiences. So even though we've lived all it all points back to our birth. And so in no doubt am I talking about the birth of Adam. That the original, the first Adam, birthed us into a life of sin where we experience death. But the birth of Christ gives us the opportunity to rise of a different form from a deadening experience. Now watch this. The natural always precedes the spiritual. This is something you should make note of. The natural always precedes the spiritual. So expect the worst first. A life as a Christian is always going to get better. The concept of spirituality, the concept of Christmas, the idea of walking with God establishes the point that better is always subsequent to what is worse. Oh, your life should be progressing always to something that is better. But if you can find a new birth in the process of the bad you're going through, Jesus promises your second experience will be better. So I'm talking about when you're going through life experiencing bad, you're in the dirt and you're dying. If you can find that new birth from that bad experience, God says you can experience new life, something better. So Jesus's birth is all about freeing us from old experiences to give us new experiences. 
Isn't it time for change? What time is it? Jesus made that possible when he entered the earth. And Jesus makes that possible when he enters your hearts. You can find references to that whole seed uh, scenario I just gave you in 1 Corinthians 15. So write that down, Chana, in there, 1 Corinthians 15. Now let's blaze the trail a bit further. Let's look at our text for the day. The text is from Galatians 4, and I want to read verses 1 through 7. Uh, We have studied, though, first of all, the best man, and we realized to be who uh, ended up being just a good man, which led us to study the God-man. And today we discovered the birth of Jesus produces a free man. So we go from the best man to the God-man to the free man. And here's how the text describes it. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Just explain that to you. But when the fullness of the time came, here it is. Here's your text. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that, meaning this is the cause, this is the effects, the purpose of it was, he came so that he might do what? Redeem those who were, what? Under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, meaning Daddy, Daddy. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. There it is in clear form, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So clearly, the text speaks of the slave from the perspective of being in a position to gain a reward. So this slave that we're talking about um, is actually an heir of promise. Strange. How can you be an heir of promise and you're a slave? The writer Paul is pointing out that even when you have good things ahead of you, you can still feel like a slave. I feel him now. Like the seed in the ground I spoke of earlier. And that's many of us who are on the path to right. We're trying to do the right thing, but we feel like slaves nonetheless. We feel like God has promised us a better day, but I don't feel real free about moving forward toward it. It's taken too long. And we are slaves because of sin. We are slaves because of the first Adam, because Eve and Adam partook of the fruit. And so everyone born after Adam and Eve through the womb were born into slavery. And we were born into bad families. 
We were born into poverty. We were born into ill health. We were born into bad jobs and unfortunate situations. But Christmas is about a way to change that bondage. What I'm trying to do is connect the birth of Christ to the freedom in your life. Christmas is about changing that bondage. And the first thing I want to point out to help you realize this freedom is this. Look at this point. Freedom begins with knowing you have a loving father. Knowing you have a loving father. What does freedom have to do with knowing you're a part of a family? Well, look at the text. The text says in verses 4 through 7, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the what? Adoption as sons. In other words, Jesus' birth came and made me a son, a part of a family. Verse 6 says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our heart. So I become a child of God and I receive the spirit of God into my heart. And that spirit cries out through me, daddy, daddy. Isn't it something about when you hear the baby say for the first time, mama, daddy, that's when you become alive. When you become a part of the family, freedom starts when you know you have a loving father. And look at the last verse. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So freedom means sonship. Freedom means you have a daddy. Freedom means you have a parent. Listen to this, because you you are saying, "Uh, what does parenting have to do with freedom? Don't you know that so many children, so many youth are in bondage, and captivated uh, uh, because they don't know who their parents are. They act up and they act out because daddy don't come see them or mama has abandoned them. I'm telling you that the development and the understanding of knowing the origin of who you are helps you act better. Hey, can we talk about acting right or our actions for the year? Then you've got to establish who your parent is. And so Christmas is about if you had a bad earthly daddy like Adam, if you had a bad earthly mama, if you had a bad or have a bad earthly family, Christmas brings you a whole new family where you can get out of that bondage, that enslaved mindset and start living a free life. A man needs to know that he has a father. And I got to say this, mankind, we use the terms interchangeably, man as in man gender, male gender, but man as in mankind also has a father that we as the human race come from a source. And when we don't know who our source is, what happens? We act up. We act up as a mankind. We hate each other because because of color. We judge people. We become racist. We treat people with inferior attitudes. And so mankind needs to know that we have someone watching over us. And it's a horrible thing to feel parentless. And our humanity thinks it's 
the government's fault. We think it's poverty's fault. We think it's the economy. No, it's the fact that we're fatherless mankind. We've forgotten where our source comes from, but we have been speaking about man and mankind, but the parent originally was Adam, and the name Adam means mankind. It means from the red dirt. Anybody from the red dirt is a part of mankind. We are the offspring of another. To know ourselves mean we can study the parent. If you want to know who you are, study your parent. I tell couples who are dating all the time, you can learn about, about your spouse when you learn a lot about their parents. We are in the care of our parents until we are grown. So our parent has birthed us, but he wants us to mature. Remember, freedom is about timing and timing is about maturity. And I wonder if mankind is checking the time and checking how we're maturing. The question is, has humanity matured? Ooh, that's a good question to discuss. Not sure how to answer that. We are derived from a material source. And God is that source, which means we must have some of his power. We must have some of the traits that God has given. We must have some built-inness of his essence, his being. And yet, no matter how old we get, we will always be subsidiary to our parents. Why? Because they came first. Listen to me. My children may be older. They may be grown, but they are still subsidiary to me because I came first. Humanity needs to understand that God came first and that we are subject to him, not because we're smarter than him, but we respect him because he came first. The Bible says, love one another because God first loved us. I'm going to talk to you about how the firstness of things impacts the isness of things. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And so even though my parents may, my children may be smarter than me, they don't lose their respect for me because you don't, you don't gain respect by being smarter than you gain respect by being first than that's what I'm trying to tell you. So the first is what sets the precedence for all that follows. Adam set the tone for sinful man. Adam started this race on bringing everybody who was born into slavery. He set the precedence that everybody like Adam after him would be born into sin. Jesus' birth sets the precedence for all men born after him unto spiritual life. Oh, I like it. So the first of a thing establishes the isness of a thing. So Adam was first, but Jesus was last. And if the first is bad, you have to abandon it and give room and life for its replacement. You can't fix the old man because it is at his core what it is. It is a sinful man. So God didn't reborn Adam. He gave a whole new person in the person of Jesus Christ. You cannot fix what is at its core evil. You have to replace evil with, ah, God, I wish you heard me. He must be aborted and there must be another firstborn. In other words, when something has
has started wrong, you need to abort it and rebirth through Christ. So Jesus becomes, why do we call him? He is the firstborn. He is the only begotten son of God who gives all those who are born again, what? The isness of spirituality. Adam gives the isness of sin, but Jesus gives the isness of righteousness. And so we call him the firstborn because he's the new first. Somebody say, I need a new first. And that equals freedom from the Adam nature, the Adam nature. Like I tell people all the time, you break up from a relationship, you need a new first, but you can't court the new first while you still courting Adam. In other words, you've got to abort the old Adam and give your attention to the new first. Let's go further. Let's look at this. Number two, Freedom is fueled by healthy promises. Freedom is fueled by healthy promises. And most people who are enslaved uh, have no to little future expectations. And when you have promises, you're expecting something. The slave driver only promises punishment if they act up and good things if they agree to remain enslaved. Well, what kind of deal is that? You know you're you're free when you can identify healthy promises that come to benefit you without a catch. So the first one was, Freedom begins with understanding your relationship as a son to a father who establishes the firstness of your life, which creates the isness of that which follows. And so the second aspect is that in this isness, you have a set of healthy promises. In other words, a good family should put you on the right path and offer you healthy promises. Ah, God, without healthy promises, you're going to act up. Why? Because you say, I don't have anything to live for. But watch this. You know you're free when you have healthy promises. But what God promises us is not a hoodwinked, bamboozlement deal. He is doing what he's doing simply because he loves us. Check this out. Look at the text. The text says in verse one, now I say, as long as the heir is a child, He does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. Look at that paradoxical statement. He have an heir who is a child, but he doesn't differ at all from a slave, even though he owns what? Everything. So remember, I told you that Jesus reigns, but the full kingdom has not been given to our disclosure yet. And so we're living like slaves with crowns on. We're walking around the earth as kings and queens, as priests and leaders. And so listen to this. You have got to be able to know something better is coming. Christmas is about having healthy promises that my life will change. That's the only way I start acting right. That's the only way I behave right because I have a promise that something's going to get better. A woman will endure hardships of a pregnancy. They will endure morning sickness and throwing up and extra weight and mood swings and cravings. All for what, Joy? For the promises of a baby to be born. And guess what? A healthy baby. Nobody wants a baby that comes in that has problems. That's not the desired goal, but we learn to live with it. And this is like 
like a seed. A seed will endure the dirty ground if he knows it's going to rise to be a healthy orange or a peach. I'll put up with your foolishness if I know a better day is coming. Abraham was promised that he'd be the father of many nations, but he had to endure dealing with Hagar and Ishmael and dealing with the fact that his wife was barren. Talking about birth, we'll get to that in a minute. He was fueled by the fact that Isaac came. He was fueled by the fact that he was going to have a healthy outlook and be the father of many nations. So Galatians 4 says, let's get back to the text. Galatians 4 says, now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he's owner of everything. So Galatians 4 says we are heirs of a promise. We've got healthy promises. We are not heirs, though, in the sense that a father dies. So don't get this twisted. We're not waiting on an inheritance for our father to die, but we're heirs of blessings that have been held in trust until we reach the age to be able to access them. Remember I told you, freedom is about timing, and timing is about maturity, and maturity leads to freedom. So when we understand what we have promised to us, then we will with urgency work to grow up and to mature and look for the timing where we can access what has been placed in our trust. Like if I was a child TV star and I was making money on happy days and I was under 18, all that money would be held in a trust until I was 18. And so when I reach the age, my father gives me what has been promised to me as a family member. Just like the prodigal son, give me what is due to me now. You can ask for it early, but it's going to get you in trouble. It's about timing. Tick tock, doc. And so we understand that this is not about a father who dies. This is about a child who's in the middle of a family who hasn't reached age yet, but you got a closet full of blessings waiting on you. I can't get it, though, until I reach the age. So until that occurs, I am in essence what? Like a slave. I'm governed and tutored by the rules of my parents. God, watch this now. You've got to learn how to live under the tutelage and the governance of God. Mankind struggles with freedom because we can't submit to something higher than ourselves. We want to do it our way. And just as we are all, we're all slaves until Jesus was born. And so the time of Christmas means that we have reached the age to be able to get our blessing. So right then and there, our inheritance opens up. And Christmas means someone turned of a certain age today to receive their blessing. And that's what Christmas is about. When you open the gift, you go to the tree, you open the gift, it means you're of age, darling. It means that you've reached that point of maturity where your parent who put the gift under the tree says you've reached the age here is something I got dog it are you missing this Jesus birth means somebody became old enough to get their inheritance and when you know you're worth more than where you are you're on the road to freedom but let's talk for a moment about the difference between slavery and freedom I gotta keep moving number three freedom is the absence of ownership freedom is the absence of ownership now ownership Ownership implies force and duty. It implies a hierarchy of demand.
hand. It is being controlled by another. I'm telling somebody's life right there. And that's just what Galatians 4 was describing. That basically sin owns us, owned us. We didn't have a chance to experience real freedom. And most, if not all, of our relationships would be patterned after this philosophy. Your job controls you. Your spouse controls you. Your sickness, your illness controls you. Your family controls you. I come to break strongholds today until when? Until, until means timing, until the birth of another man. Look at the text. Verses two through three says, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by who the father determines. Oh man, this is juicy. I'm not going to make it. He says, so also we, uh, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world, meaning the rudiments, the, the calamities, uh, the, the origins of what earth brings, the sin, the diseases, the, the consequences of bad choices. And so the text helps us understand that the truth is, without Jesus, we were a trapped mankind. There was an old show that I used to watch on Lifetime, and it was called Snapped, and it was about wives who had been jaded, and they snapped, and they killed their husband. I think there should be a show called Trapped, not Snap, but Trapped, that we realize how trapped we are, and we do something to change it, because when you feel trapped, you what? You act out. Trap people, look, you back a squirrel up in the corner, I saw a video recently about somebody had to d- deliver, help to save their child from a raccoon was about to eat them up. When a raccoon feels, they won't bother you, but put them in a corner and they act out. Scare a squirrel bad enough. Get them in a corner. You know the flying squirrel? Remember Bucky and Buckwinkle and, and, and the flying squirrel? Squirrels can jump. They almost can fly. They will rear up. When you feel trapped, you get in, uh, you act out. And so I see mankind acting out right now. I see when I look out on, when I look at the news and I read the paper or I read the internet, I see mankind acting out every day. What are they saying? We trapped. We trapped. People go in and shoot people up and they say, we're trapped. In other words, they're acting in a way that they're trapped. This is acting so immature. What? Like we're still in a womb because a womb traps you. A child kicks in the womb because it's time to get out. We're trapped to sin. We're trapped to our past trapped to the hurt that someone caused you and you can't let it go. But going from slave, oh this is good, write this down but going from slave to a son is a change in status. I'll say that again, going from a slave to a son is a change in status. It means you move from being owned to being loved. Oh I gotta say that it moves you from being owned to being loved. How many of us still live like we are owned And many parents make kids feel like I own you. That's slavery, y'all. But we should lead people like we love them, not own them. We ought to lead our kids like we love them, not own them. I guarantee you if mankind felt loved instead of owned by the government, I ain't taking that vaccine, I ain't taking that vaccine. You feel like I ain't the government owning me. We rebuttal, we rebuke, we we bulk up and and we want to fight back because we feel owned 
owned. But when we come from a perspective of feeling loved, we trust that our Father is only giving us what is best for us. It's the difference between childhood and adulthood. You're going to miss it. It's about timing. Timing is maturity and maturity is freedom. Yes, we tell our kids what to do when they are kids, but as they mature, we stop telling them what to do. But we love them enough that they ask our advice and we share it out of love. But their choice is their choice, which leads me to my final point, because people often think that freedom escapes them because there is no way out. And many think that once you're locked in, you can't get out. Well, the truth is the first Adam locked us all in. Hello, mankind. Hello, everybody online. We're all in the room, in the same room with the same problem of sin, hoping that a day like Christmas would come to set us free. And Christmas is the birth of a man. And why does that matter? I'm glad you asked. Number four, the kind of birth you have determines the kind of life you have. The kind of birth you have determines the kind of life you have. Our slavery wasn't a choice, but our freedom is. We can continue to live in bondage or we can accept the way out. I go back to the beginning of this message where I talked about the person who goes to therapy for years but can't see the door has been opened to freedom. Well, we too can keep anesthetizing ourselves in a dead, imprisoned life or we can choose to open our eyes and see the real meaning of Christmas. And let's look at these final verses as we look at verses 22 to 23, 40. It is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman, the slave woman, and one by the free woman. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through the promise. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children keep reading, but the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. Oh, shoot. Freedom. Uh, Never mind. Keep reading. And you brethren, you brethren, that's us, like Isaac, are children of what? Promise. Come on. But as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit so it is now also isn't it troubling that the people of our past keep messing with us when we try to give ourselves to freedom and promise but but look at this last verse it says then so then brethren we are not children of a bondwoman but of the free woman so what am I saying I'm saying the kind of birth you have determines the kind of life you have if you're born of a slave your life is slavery but if you're born of the woman of promise and freedom then your life is full of promise and freedom so in Galatians 4 everything hinges on the type of birth we have. And so that's why I say Adam with his birth brought us sin. But Jesus with his birth, hallelujah, Christmas brought us freedom and promise. As we are children of Hagar, we are slaves uh, to sin. But if we are children of Sarah, we are children of promise. The outcomes of our lives vary greatly based on our birth. As I said before, depending on what type of seed you are, 
are determines what kind of fruit you come out to be. So if you're a seed of Adam, the first Adam, you're going to come up bad fruit. But if you're a seed of Jesus, you're going to come up good fruit. The freedman knows it will be his birth that will determine his end. Why do people live their life like the end of their life determines what their life amounts to? You got to take the end of your life from the beginning of your life. But he learned that the birth does not have to be at every beginning. It can happen whenever I reach the age to realize I won't change because because there is better waiting for me. Many people think I can't change because I had an opportunity and I missed it. I was born into this family and I don't have a chance. I didn't have a daddy and it's somebody else's fault. I live in the ghetto and I don't have a chance. I came to tell you that the new birth and a new beginning every year I get a new birthday. Woo! I came to tell you that every year there's a new time and all you need to do is check your maturity again against the time because God says you've been accumulating earnings and promises over time and so now a birthing can happen anywhere in the process so it may not be at the beginning of your life sure you were raped yes you were molested God bless your soul and we pray for your healing but you can get a new beginning it's like the poem by Clement Clark Moore twas the night before Christmas when all three the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Went out on the lawn. There arose such a clatter. I sprang from the bread to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash. Tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. It's with that kind of anticipation that I look to be born again. That I look to get off the naughty list and be put on the nice Christmas is like the delivery room of the newborn baby. Indescribable pain, which ends in indescribable joy. Up from the rooftop, I hear something clattering. I've had a bad year in 2022, but I hear Jesus say, check the time, baby. You might be on the cusp of a brand new birth. The once entrapped baby breaks from the sack and the womb enters and opens up and the baby comes through to the freedom of a new life. You ain't seen nothing yet. And so to those who don't believe in Christmas anymore and you think you're too old, I say to you it is your age and maturity that might bring you into the second birth of your life. I'm too old for Christmas. That's why you won't change. I'm telling you we need a good dose of believe again. I like the story about the Grinch who found the little girl who changed his heart. I'm hoping that this Christmas you'll meet somebody or this word will help you change your heart. And I leave you with this concluding word. Look at this text. It says, for it is written, rejoice barren, rejoice barren woman who does not bear, break forth and shout you who are not in labor, for more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. Let me drive this gravy train home. When you think God's womb has closed, 
Ghost, when you think you're without hope, I call you to rejoice. The text said, rejoice, barren woman. He said, because God can do more with your barrenness. He can do more with your life than you ever thought he could do with a barren womb. I'm telling you, God can do more with your 10% than what you would ever do with your 90%. He did it with Sarah. He did it with Hannah. He did it with Rachel. And he can do it with you. Somebody who believes your life lacks the uterus and the womb and the ability to bring forth fruit. I say rejoice because Christmas has come. The timing of maturity brings us to a place where God can do the unbelievable. My life is a success and I'm preaching from a testimony not because of my earthly birthings. My life is not great because I know Magic Johnson or my sister is a famous singer. My life success is not based on my testy beginnings or the fact that my daddy died when I was a boy. It is not based on my not so bright past, but because of the births I've had, I'm telling you my life is based on the success of barren mothers. My life is built on the backs of things that couldn't produce what they should have produced. God has brought not something out of nothing over and over and over and over. Can I get a witness? God has done more for me from things that couldn't or shouldn't have produced anything at all. I was brought to life by the life in Christ that passed on to those who couldn't live, give life on their own. I remember Bishop Isaiah Owens coming to pray for me. I was a baby that wasn't inclined to live. My head was swollen and pus was everywhere. They had to stick needles in my head to drain the pus. And Bishop Owens came in and put a dollar bill over my head and prayed over me. And I'm here today because what shouldn't have made it (laughs) came through anyhow. And that's what Christmas is. On Dasher and Blixen and Victon and Rudolph and all of whatever their names are. It's an opportunity to live again but God gives us the ability to bring life to others and Adam was born a living soul but Jesus was born a life giver to the soul seeking life so rejoice y'all and again I say rejoice because life is come and freedom is here live for the promise you are not in bondage anymore and as soon as you can recognize what time it is put your maturity up against it. Go under that tree and see what God has left you. God may have given somebody a new financial orientation, a new level of patience, a new spouse for your life, a new anointing for your ministry. Go under the tree and stop blind sitting behind like the Grinch mad that you not have the life that you want to live. And soon you will discover that the fruit of your life won't be based on how you in but how you were born I'm a free man now I was a free man now (laughs) thanks to the birth of Christ this has been the birth of a man and I'm PC and that's all I've got